Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New York Giants. This is the Giants Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Giants Wire editor, Dan Benton. Uh, there were no surprises. I mean, I, it's always a bit of a unknown who the players are that you will not target, but who you'll be able to attract. But we knew we were going to be aggressive. And as far as just the, the actual, you know, aggressive, uh, you can't be aggressive unless there's money to, to do that, obviously. So there's this whole, you know, the Giants went into this with however many millions in the cap. and You knew you could manipulate it some way, shape or form. Um, uh, did you know that you could make, you know, give um, – you know, $100 million in, in, in salaries or guarantees to, you know, just a couple of players. Did you know that beforehand that was possible? We did, yeah. Well, there's Giants assistant GM Kevin Abrams. A man of few words, Dan. A man of few words, to say the least. And uh, we're talking draft. We're a week away, finally, from draft day. And uh, the Giants held a presser with Gettleman on one side and Abrams on the other. And uh, I just thought this was hilarious. Those are two different dudes, right? One, one's got all the energy in the world and Gettleman and Abrams is kind of, I don't know, monotone, straight to the point, get me out of here kind of thing. It was, it was right. awesome. It was hilarious. It, it, was, it was funny to actually see the reactions of fans who had never before been exposed to Abrams <laughs> yes. kind of reacting on Twitter in real time. Um, comparing Gettleman's personality to Abrams' personality. And I kind of joked with you off air that Abrams really kind of went into that press conference with, let's just get this over with as quickly as possible. I have literally no desire to be here right now. (laughs) Why am I here? Why am I here? It's just so funny because Gettleman is, he'll like address each reporter by name, kind of go around about, repeat the question himself and then answer it. And, uh, you know, Abrams just completely different style. And I want to get into some of the things he talked about, about, uh, kind of the team being aggressive. You know, the reporters kept peppering him with questions about that, which was great. Not that we got a ton out of this presser, but I think the big news, Dan, here's where I want to start this week, is it seems like every team outside of the top three in the draft are now interested in trading back, right? There's It was the Dolphins. They popped up at number six, and now we're hearing Carolina, Denver, and Dallas, and the Giants. Everyone's interested in taking the calls to move back. Now, as we've said, as ad nauseum on this uh, program, as you've written ad nauseum on the Giants Wire, Dave <laughs> Gettleman has never done this. He doesn't yeah. do this in the first round, not in eight years. He doesn't do it at all, period. Yeah. Oh, so not even in another round. I was going to ask you that. So not even in like the fourth round. He's never traded never. back. Okay. Never. Okay. I didn't know that. I thought it was just the first <laughs> round. That's ridiculous. So Gettleman never trades back. And, uh, but it seems like the Giants are at least listening to the calls or at least putting the smoke screen out there, Dan. And, why the hell not, right? I mean, this is a, a different kind of draft with all the quarterbacks. And if a team like the Bears or the or the Patriots want to give you a haul or something, give you a future first-round pick, like, you might as well listen, right? So I mean, they got to be interested. I just don't know how serious this really is. Well, it's it's draft season, so that comes with some, you know, um, some caution. Sure. Uh, I, you know, we're, we've got 32 teams, well, 31 teams who want to trade back and and, you know, how many then want to trade up. So you always got that situation to, to consider when you listen to the draft speak. But I think for the Giants, it would make sense. And, you know, I'm not necessarily quick to poo-poo the idea that they're discussing a trade back simply because Gettleman's never done it before. Listen, if, we've, you've heard me say this on the show before. If there was ever a point in time where it would make sense for Gettleman to finally break that streak and trade back, now would certainly be it. And, 
if one or, you know, if the Giants are especially lucky and two of those quarterbacks fall down into, you know, the 10, 11, 12 range, the value of that pick at number 11 is going to actually go up because of the teams that are going to want to maneuver to get the quarterback, you know, that they have their eyes on in that window there. So that would be great for the Giants if draft night comes and you see some of these, you know, quarterbacks starting to fall a little bit. And plus, you know, we talked about this, the positional value last week. And if the Giants want to go edge rusher, it doesn't necessarily make sense for them to do it at number 11. So if they do key in on an edge rusher and they have the opportunity to trade back, then great. It's the best of both worlds. So I do actually, to some degree, buy into the notion that they've internally discussed trading back. Uh, but, you know, like I said in an article on Giants, where I kind of caution fans to dive headfirst in on that because last year at the same time, Gettleman was talking about how the Giants are open for business and ready to trade back. And listen, they were never close to doing that. <laughs> yeah, number four overall, open for business. And they yeah. end up with Andrew Thomas. And like we were talking about, maybe maybe I w- we, we might wish they were open for business a little longer, Dan. Maybe listen to a few more offers and stayed open <laughs> before making that decision. Now, we kid. We love you, Andrew Thomas. Uh, we just need you to be better. Um, but so here's why I think trading back actually does make some sense. Now, whether they'll do it or not, Dan, that's that's a totally different topic. But when you go wild in free agency like the Giants did, kind of what Abrams was talking about in that clip that we played, like when you spend over $100 million in free agency – you're not going to do that in 2022, right? So I think it it puts some pressure on your draft boards. It it makes each draft more important. I think this draft class is going to be important. I think next year's draft class is going to be important. You're not going to be going wild in free agency next year. You're going to have to be, you know, relying on these draft picks to fill roles on your team. And I think acquiring more picks, maybe another first round pick in 2022, you go into that draft like the maybe like the Dolphins are this year where you got you know, you got two picks in the top 20 or something like that. I mean, that would be pretty sweet. Now, obviously, the Giants will be picking way higher than that because they're going to be awesome this year, Dan. But, yeah, you know, right. but let, let, let's yeah. play with this a little bit. Like, I feel like that would make some sense, like acquiring more assets for future draft classes after you go crazy in free agency. Like that makes us that would kind of fit the strategy a little bit. You know what I'm saying? It would. Absolutely. And I, well, and the Giants got to think about it uh, two ways. Not only do they need to think about it that way, because, you know, like you said, the Giants are not going to be nearly as aggressive in free agency next season as they were this past or this offseason. And as a result of that, you know, you are going to need more. In particular, you're going to need more top 100 picks is what you're going to need. And right now the Giants are going to this draft with only six picks over seven rounds anyway, two of those being six rounders. They don't have a fifth rounder. So they do need to compile some more assets uh, because the, the reality is they still do have some holes you know, on their roster that they need to plug, particularly this year, but if not this year, then over the next two years. And they are going to have to rely more on rookies. And if they were able to secure a first-round you know, an additional first round pick 2022, even this year, if that were possible, you know, wonderful. That would, that would be a great, even if they only end up getting uh, a, an additional second rounder, uh, whether it be this year or next year to trade back and then maybe pick up a, you know, fifth rounder or a seventh rounder um, as part of a deal, you know, all the better. And you look at what the Giants did last year in the late rounds, you know, I don't mean to just dismiss everything after round three, obviously, Teams are primarily built in the mid to late rounds of the NFL draft. And the Giants did particularly well in that area last year. And they have, you know, guys who came in and immediately produced. And that's what they're going to need again this year. And that's what they're going to need again next year. So every additional asset that they can compile is going to help them that much more, especially when they go up against, 
you know, the grain next year in terms of free agency, depending on, you know, where the cap ends up sitting. Uh, you know, Abrams acknowledged yesterday it's going to be a lot more challenging to manage that. So you're right. If they can trade back, get some more assets, get some more quality players, it's, you know, it's that much better for the organization as a whole over the next two years. That makes all the sense in the world. And so uh, another topic that Abrams was tasked to answer in a very blunt and monotone way, Dan, um, was, uh, you know, kind of being aggressive at free agency this past offseason here and well, this offseason and what that means for 2022. Now, we don't really know where the cap's going in 2022, as Kevin Abrams said during the presser. Uh, but I'm just not really worried that they're going to find themselves in cap jail. Even if some of these guys don't pan out, Dan, even if there's injuries or whatever, I'm not buying the fact that the Giants could be in cap jail next year. Are you worried about that thing? Not necessarily, but they do. They are going to have some, you know, decisions to make on, you know, Evan Ingram, Jabril Peppers, who is still, you know, the contract is still not done for whatever reason. Yep. Um, Saquon Barkley, potentially, which we'll get into here more in a, in a moment. Yes, we will. Um, so they're going to have some high dollar decisions to make on these guys. Um, and I think, you know, what happens this year and throughout the draft and the rest of free agency. For example, if they somehow manage to land Kyle Pitts, does that mean they then trade Evan Ingram and kind of, you know, not only, you know, close the book on that, you know, on that particular relationship, but then not have to deal with a potential high dollar extension there. So, you know, there's a lot of factors that are going to play into that. But no, I don't necessarily think that they're going to go into any kind of cap jail are they going to, you know, offer the third most guaranteed money in the league again next year? No, of course they're not going to do that. Um, but they're in decent shape going forward. Um, I don't necessarily think it matters what, you know, the cap number is next year, so long as it doesn't drop again. But nobody anticipates that happening. So I, I don't think they're going to be in bad shape. The higher the number goes, the better shape they're going to be in. And you know, that's an obvious statement for every team, but for the Giants in particular, when, when you hear Abrams talking about how, you know, how more much more challenging it's going to be to manage that in 2022 than it was in 2021. But yeah, I, I wouldn't read, you know, too deeply into that comment because you know, headed into this year as a good example, the Giants were actually over the cap with days to go until the start of the new league year, and then they ended up splurging like nobody thought they could or anticipated they would. Um, and you know, you've heard me say it a million times: the cap sometimes is a bit of an illusion, and I don't think that changes next year. Yeah, the cap is crap. Uh, so, Dan, you uh, <laughs> mentioned Saquon Barkley, and uh, that's a topic that I want to get to. Let's tackle that one coming up next. And, and Dave, a question about a Booker. You guys were pretty aggressive right out of the gate about going after him for some depth at running back. Do you did you go after him so aggressively because you believe, like, say hypothetically, Saquon were not on the field for some reason at the beginning of this season? Knock on wood. Do you feel confident that Booker would be able to handle that position and the workload? And is that why you prioritized him as a player? Well, the, one of the reasons we we prioritized, you know, Devontae is we just, you know, you can never have too many good players at any position. I don't care what anybody says. And the, uh, the one of the things, one of the things that made Devontae so attractive was the fact that we felt he was a legitimate three down running back. And uh, so we, we, you know, we, it's always a group decision here. It's everything's in the best, best interest of the Giants. So we, we feel he, he could be part of, you know, obviously be a good part of our solution at, at running back. Now, I want to get to some of the things that uh, Dave Gettleman's talking about there, Dan. But first of all, 
uh, you just see the difference between him and Abrams, right? Like Gettleman's moving around. He's kind of hitting, right. the, he's hitting the mic. He's hitting the desk. He can't sit still. And Abrams kind of just sits there nice and still and just kind of answers the question directly into the mic. Like, oh, man, those are just it's hilarious. They're so different, yeah. the two of them. Um, they're, but, they're very they're very entertaining to watch. They could be their own show. In fact, the Giants should actually create a general manager show and just do, <laughs> yeah. like, they, like they do with Joe Judge, the coach's corner or whatever. Seriously, they yeah, they they really should because people will tune in to watch Gettleman and Abrams. Yeah, Gettleman, especially Gettleman. I mean, he's hilarious. Right. I, I love right, him. Right. Uh, so Gettleman talking about Devontae Booker, a guy they went out and got pretty early in free agency. A guy, it kind of surprised us a little bit, right? calling him a three down back, calling him part of the giant solution at running back. And this might just be me stirring up something out of thin air, Dan, but that's kind of what we do. This is kind of a talk show. <laughs> um, Saquon's name was brought up in the questions. You know, the reporter said, hey, knock on wood, just in case Saquon's not on the field. And, you know, Gettleman didn't really want to go there. He didn't really even acknowledge that the reporter had brought up Saquon. He just talked about Devante being a three down back, part of the solution, all that. And it just got me thinking, yeah, okay, Barkley, we know he's coming off the injury, but... He's also coming up on the contract option that the Giants have until May 3rd to pick up his 2022 salary. We've talked about it in the past that it's a bargain rate for the Giants at $7.2 million for you know one of, if not the best running back in the league. And then I see this article on Giants Wire about Barkley potentially being a holdout risk. And you think to Ezekiel Elliott and the Cowboys, and I'm like, oh, maybe there's a thing there. So... Yeah, maybe Booker makes the running back room a little deeper, make you a little bit more versatile at that position. But maybe it's uh, it's Saquon Insurance as well. I don't know. I mean, they seem to really love uh, Devontae Booker more than more than most, Dan. So what do right. you, you think about that whole thing? Well, I mean, the comments were certainly interesting. The fact that he didn't address the Saquon part of that question was also interesting. But the Giants have chosen their words as it relates to Berkeley, very, very carefully. Yes. Um, and that goes for everybody. That's not necessarily just Gettleman and Abrams, but that was John Maris, Steve Tiss, Joe Judge. They've been very, very careful about what they say about Berkeley. Um, and it is interesting because you heard the criticisms on this very show about the aggressive nature in pursuing Booker and then the contract that he was given in comparison to some of the other running backs, many of whom are still out there and are likely to be out there until after the draft because that's just how it goes with the running back market. Um, so may, maybe the Giants did have, you know, a more long-term plan for Booker than some of us, you know, me, uh, thought initially. I still don't necessarily think he was, you know, he warranted the contract that was given to him, but that's not my decision to make. And like I said last week, I don't necessarily care about the money anyway. Um but, yeah, it does sound like maybe they've got a more long-term plan on him. And clearly Joe Judge and, and Gettleman and Abrams and everybody else in the organization sees more in Booker than I did and many others did because there was a lot of eyebrow raising after that um, after that deal and even after that comment yesterday um, because when have anybody heard of Booker being a three-down back? And that's not saying that he's not capable of being a three-down back. It's just that over the course of his five-year career, we've not seen that. Um, he's been a great rotational back. He fits in really well in those rotations, and it would make sense from that standpoint where he would fit in behind Saquon Barkley and ahead of whoever else it is that the Giants go into next season with probably you know a mid to late round draft pick there. Um, but yeah, you know it's it's entirely possible that he's more insurance than I think some of us realize. One, you know whether or not Barkley is able to come back and healthy. Two, if he if he does come back and he's healthy and plays well, then you know, you've got the decision to make on the long-term contract, which he's going to want at that point. So I don't see Barkley necessarily being a guy that's going to hold out. 
But should that situation play out for the Giants, you know, Gettleman and company went out and they got their insurance. And, and it's clearly a guy that they all believe in and, and see a much larger role for in Jason Garrett's offense than I think many other people did when he was initially summoned. Yeah, it's interesting because they call Booker a three-down back, and and I always thought he was a third-down back. You know, so I'm like, when was he? When was he really like dominating on first and second down? I don't know. I, we just haven't seen that yet. So they're projecting something for that player that we haven't seen yet. But Devontae Booker's fine. I don't hate the player. I think he's shown some flashes. Uh, sure. But but just to workshop this a little bit more, we we don't care about the money. The fans shouldn't care about the money that the team is spending. I, I agree with that 100. percent But I think Saquon Barkley probably cares about the money, right? These running backs especially care about the money. Like we brought up Ezekiel Elliott, and it's kind of weird how these contracts break down these rookie deals, Dan. Like so, Saquon's going to get paid more this year than he will next year when the if, you know if and when the Giants pick up that option because right. of the way the signing bonus sprinkles out over the over the life of the contract right so Saquon's going to make somewhere around 10 million this season and next year if the Giants pick it up it'll go down to like 7.2 million so my guess is he's not going to want to take a pay cut especially if he has a good year this year and and that's why he's a risk um, of being a holdout and then you look at what Ezekiel Elliott did when he was mad about the end of his contract he wanted to get paid top of the market the Giants go and draft Tony Pollard Uh, Zeke holds out and he's playing chicken with Jerry Jones, and Jerry Jones is giving all the reps to Pollard and kind of doing that thing. And then, oh, wouldn't you know, right before the season starts, Ezekiel Elliott gets like a five-year, $90 million, $50 million guaranteed contract, top of the market, and becomes the highest-paid running back at the time. And you got to wonder if that's going to be in Saquon's game plan. Uh, you know, maybe not this offseason because, you know, he's got a lot to prove. He's got to come off that right. injury and prove he's healthy. But next year, when that salary goes down, I wonder if we'll actually have that Ezekiel Elliott moment with Saquon Barkley. It's going to be interesting. Well, right. And listen, I, I can empathize with that situ- that potential situation for Barkley. And I think if, if any you know objective fan or, or media member really wants to, they can too. Because listen, the guy is coming off back-to-back injury-riddled seasons. Uh, last season, torn ACL, which is a serious injury, with meniscus damage um, you know, for a running back. So that's a serious thing. If Barkley comes back, is healthy, plays, you know, 16, 17 games, puts up good numbers, proves that he's still that explosive back um, that everybody, you know, knows that he's capable of being. Will he want to risk going into that on his fifth-year option out of good faith to the Giants who have shown, you know, who have admittedly shown good faith to him? Does he want to return that favor and risk the chance of going into that fifth-year option and, again, suffering an injury and then the opportunity for that long-term big-money contract is essentially gone? So it is something that Barkley is going to have to weigh. He's he's mentioned before that he doesn't think about the contract. He doesn't want to think about the contract. He's not a holdout kind of guy. That's all well and good until you're face-to-face with that situation mm-hmm. and your agent is telling you this may be your only opportunity to go and get that money. So it is something to worth, you know, to keep an eye on. It's worth watching over the next year, year and a half. And it's really going to depend on how well Barkley plays, how well he heals up, if he's capable of getting back on the field. We'll probably know pretty early in the season, you know, whether or not that's the case. And then if he's able to carry it out through the rest of the year, if he is healthy and he is able to do that, and he is able to put up, you know, big, big numbers that are worth the money. I could see that becoming, you know, a potential problem if the Giants don't extend them um, by that time and want him to play out on that fifth year option, which is obviously a salary reduction in comparison to this year. So it is, you know, it is, it is something, you know, a, a potential problem for the Giants down the line. And I can understand it from Barkley's standpoint. 
Um, but it's one of those, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there scenarios. Well, at least we got Devontae Booker. Uh, well, yeah, no, you I mean, got the insurance. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so uh, it's in everybody's best interest for Saquon to dominate this coming season and play all the, all the games. Right. And it's, be a, great. it's a problem. Yeah. Right. It's a, yeah. it's a problem that the Giants and Barkley both want to have. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully he dominates, plays all the games, stays healthy. He becomes that Saquon Barkley that we know he can be. And uh, it's a good thing for everyone. And he'll probably get an extension. And he'll probably get what he wants. Um, but, you know, speaking of the running back room, some bad news for us. Us Wayne Gallman fans, Dan. Um, you know, he he visits with the 49ers. I know he hasn't officially signed. Maybe he will by the time this uh, this uh, podcast drops. But I, that might be a good little fit for him, right? The 49ers do a good job with their running backs. They, they tend to use four or five of them, it seems. Right. And everybody kind of excels in that system. So I don't want to spend a ton of time on Gallman, but... You know, that, that'd be a good little spot for him. The underdog story. I, I, I'm rooting for him right. to, to break out. I really am. Right. I mean, it, listen, it will prolong his career, give him an opportunity to put more film, you know, on the board and potentially another deal somewhere else. I really would love to see him in a scenario where he's able to be a more consistent, you know, every week back. Um, maybe a number one guy. I don't necessarily know if people you view him you know, as a versatile enough player for that, you know, which Booker apparently is. <laughs> yes. um, but, yeah, obviously they're different players, I kid. But, you know, I, I would like to see Goldman get that opportunity to be a number one guy. I don't necessarily know that he gets that in San Francisco. But just the fact that he's generating any kind of interest makes me happy for the guy because he's a good person, he's a good player, he's a hard worker, and he deserves the opportunity. Let's leave it here. I was going to ask you about the Giants over-under being at seven wins in a 17-game regular season. I was going to ask you, Dan, how much money you were going to bet on the over. Um, so maybe you could leave it there or uh, or you could talk about, you know, fans of New York pushing Daniel Jones out of the way to take pictures with Zion Williamson <laughs> when the Pelicans were at MSG. Uh, yeah, so that's... I'll leave you with the final word, whatever you want to whatever you want to go to. But I thought that was kind of hilarious. You were telling me about right. that, about Jones. Awkward. So awkward. Yeah, that it was kind of strange to see Daniel Jones sitting, you know, courtside at MSG and New York fans kind of pushing him off to the side to take to take pictures with Zion Williamson's the, the popular superstar athlete from Duke. Like, are you kidding me? Get out of the way, dork. But, okay. Talk to Zion. It was it was very awkward, but you know, to Jones's credit, it was very Eli like how he just kind of stood there and let you know let the whole situation play out. You know, weird. I, I hope for Daniel Jones' sake that that's not gonna you know continue on down the line, and he plays well enough that he becomes the superstar in New York and not the visiting opponent that's the superstar in New York. But uh, yeah, it was kind of awkward, and you know, it's good for Zion too. Though New York fans love the guy. Obviously, every every Knicks fan on this planet wanted Zion to end up um, at playing at MSG. And if you listen to Zion, he, you know he clearly very much wants to play at MSG. Yep. Uh, but like I Heart joked emojis. with you previously, yep, you right? Like him. I joked with you previously, he doesn't realize yet that uh, he actually. <laughs> He, he escaped the bad situation. Stay away, Zion. Stay away. Right. Don't have to deal with James Dolan every day. And then I'm going to say. So, actually, the, they're both lucky. They weren't kicked out of MSG, as a matter of fact. That's a good point. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, Giants over under at seven wins. You're hammering me over, right? I, I, know I am not. Yeah, I'm not much of a gambler myself. But I, I will say this. If, listen, if they finish with just seven wins and they have another double digit losing season, heads are going to roll. Heads are going to roll. You, you almost have to bet the over because the team knows they have to win the over. Yeah, there, there's going to be no excuses. They can't they can't win seven or fewer games. They just can't. Jobs are going to be, you know, lost all across the board if that happens. So from a purely what needs to happen standpoint, I would bet the over. But given the way the Giants have played 
<laughs> in recent years, in the last decade, uh, coupled with the injury concerns that just seem to persist no matter what. Um, I'm not as confident as I would like to be. All right. Maybe a small unit bet there. Not, don't, put, don't bet the house on that one. Don't bet the house on that one. Just bet for fun. Um, so there it is. We're, we're a week away. We're finally almost done with the previews, Dan. We're almost at the fi- you know, finally at the draft. We can see what they're going to do, and we can, uh, you know, we can praise or rip them for it. You know, that's, that's, that's what I'm here for. This is going to be fun, but I, I, I can't do much more of the preview stuff. I'm ready for the real thing. Right. One week away. Absolutely. I'm anxious to not cover any more mock drafts. Exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you all next time. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.